Welcome, everybody. I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, hopefully, by the time this uh, podcast airs, the holidays have come and gone, and hopefully everybody was able to relax, connect to friends and family, and just be um, in this crazy time. So we're excited that you're listening. Uh, we have a fun podcast today. Well, I don't know how fun it is, but um, an interesting one. Um, and it's about identity, identity and figuring out who we are after baby and even during baby. I, I, I'm curious to have conversations with Danan, who's here, and Gretchen, who is here. Um, about what, what do they remember about pre-parenthood, uh, during pregnancy and after pregnancy? Because I know that for me personally, I felt like I had a pretty strong identity before I got pregnant. And during pregnancy, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on it. But then it was like, once Zoe came, I felt like everything was so zoomed in on her that I did lose who I was. And I think at times, even still 10 years later, I'm still trying to figure out who I am and what kinds of things that I like to do outside of being a parent, because to be honest and fair, I don't really think that there is a Misty beyond being a parent right now for so many different reasons. And um, that's hard. It, it's hard to live in this kind of world where it's like, I know that I have interests. I know that I have hobbies. I know that I enjoy hanging out with people outside of myself. I mean, outside of my family, um, but just can't seem to get there. Just can't seem to get to that point. And what's that barrier? And um, I know that there's a ton of people out there who um, are struggling with the same thing. But I also know that there are people out there who are doing it really, really well, that they are, you know, one of their hats is to be a parent. And then they're able to take that parenting hat off and go do career stuff. And um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more of how do you get to that point? And is it just when your kids finally get to an age that you're able to do that? Or what does that look like? So welcome to the topic of identity. Hopefully it won't get too philosophical. Hi guys. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so Gretchen, for you, do you feel like, cause you've got littles, your, your girls are, are fairly little. Um, you've got a five-year-old. Five and three. Three. Yep. So Tatum's getting a little bit older uh-huh. and a little bit more autonomy. Would you say that you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on your identity with all of the hats that you wear? I wouldn't say strong. I would, I, I think I'm like moderately, <laughs> moderately attached to who I am as an individual. I think um, in my career, I feel really secure in that. It's more who I am outside of work and mom. Like, who am I besides that? Um, that is more of the gray area for me. Um, I definitely have things I like doing, but I find that the biggest competition to me being able to tap into those parts of self is my restraint with my ability time-wise. 
I don't have time to do the things that I like to do for me as, as an individual. You know, I like, I like being creative. I like little projects. I like cooking. I like exercise and those all take time um, Mm -hmm. and space. And I, so I think it's really hard to stay really connected with those things. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I noticed too, for me there, again, it's this like parental guilt. Um, Whenever I do try to pull away from the career Misty and the mom Misty, um, there's so much guilt because my kids are always like, where are you going? Why can't I go? Or they just like want to be right there and having to say no or um, Randall, maybe unintentionally, like giving me a hard time, like, Oh, you're going to go do something like that. But like, he knows that I need it where, you know, I get in the car and pull away from the house and I'm just like, fuck, like, (laughs) do I just, do I deserve to go out and go do these things that I want to go and do? And that voice is starting to get a little bit quieter and a little bit quieter now that my older two are a little bit more self-sufficient, but it definitely is a thing for sure. But Danan, Danan, you're in a whole different world. Yeah. So when I think of identity, my worries now are, I still identify as a mom. That's like my number one role. And with Andrew being 19, Carter being 17, we're coming up quickly on Carter's senior year. And I am, you know, kind of sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, well, how do I get comfortable with the idea of re-identifying, reprioritizing my routine, um, what I think is essential versus non-essential. And so I have this little fear that when both of the boys leave home, I'm going to kind of go through empty nester or feel that there's just a void. And I don't, I'm trying to just come to terms with that before it feels too heavy. Um, and I think good practice, Andrew has a girlfriend he leaves and sees very often. So he's gone most weekends. Carter, he has a job. He's working three days, three shifts a week. So he's pretty busy. And so we're starting to get comfortable with this idea of having a lot of space and time in our, our weeks. Um, but what do I go to kind of like what Gretchen said, I'm a career mom and I'm a career woman. And so what's easy to dive into work. Um, what's a little bit more challenging to dive into those personal interests. Mm -hmm. And so as a mom, um, and a wife, you know, Sean and I having discussions of, oh my gosh, we need to get reacquainted with our social life. We mm-hmm. have, we have for very a long time, um, for our listeners to know, we've owned and operated our own businesses for many, many years. And it's very similar to having babies. You kind of lose your social life when you own and operate businesses because the business calls just like a baby cries. Um, And so, yeah, countless times over the last year or so, Sean and I just get each other and say, we have got to be reacquainted with a social life. We need to find a new network. We need to grow our old network, whatever it is. um, So we can identify as social beings and professionals, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we're at. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and hopefully we can circle back to this, but yeah, it's, 
It's incredible how your social framework switches and changes. So before pregnancy, I felt like I had a pretty sturdy friendship circle and social circle. Um, You know, I had a really good group of friends at work. Work was a hard, challenging place to be. I mean, we, we worked with mental health and abused children and the system and everything that came along with it. And so um, we had a pretty good clinical team and, you know, we used to go out like almost every Friday and go do happy hour. Um, we were in the Lodo area, the Highlands area. And so it was really easy to just like go outside of, you know, after work, you know, and go sit on the patio and go hang out. And it was just so much fun. I remember working out a lot. I was probably the best shape of my life in my late twenties. Cause I had time, I had time to get up and go work out and was, you know, dipping my toe into doing half marathons and connecting with family and traveling and, you know, just like, Oh, I had all this freedom, yep. <laughs> all of this freedom and felt mm-hmm. like I was really, really connected. I was um, in the infancy of my career with my master's degree, but I was licensed and moving forward with things. And then Randall and I met and just like any healthy relationship, you just organically start spending time with your partner and hopefully you can acclimate all of your friendships together. But, um, you know, sometimes Randall can be rough around the edges. So some of my friends were just like, oof, like, (laughs) uh, you know, I didn't really appreciate his friendships. We came from, you know, totally different worlds together. So it took us a while to incorporate his friends with my friends and, you know, he was a snowboarder and he was finishing school. So a lot of his extra time went to school, um, you know, and then when we got, we got pregnant, like the second we got married, and we joke about that. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the night of our, our wedding, but it was shortly thereafter that we got pregnant with Zoe. So there wasn't a whole lot of downtime. And even during pregnancy, and you guys probably experienced this too, like I was still social, but when you got to happy hour, you know, you don't partake in the drinking or some people do, but I did not partake in any of the drinking during that time. And then you just are so tired, like your body, you're just so, so tired a lot. And I felt like even then I started noticing some of my friendships kind of coming and going and two of my other friends were pregnant. And so they were going through the same thing, you know, and I thought, oh my God, how great my two really good friends are pregnant at the same time. And we're just going to be such great support systems to one another. And we're going to help raise each other's children. Um, And that did not happen. And actually what happened was it really strained our relationships. Like, to be honest, I've probably seen those two really good friends probably six times in the last 10 years because our lives just got pulled in such different directions. Do you think that was because of the babies? Like you guys just like pulled in and focused into your families or why do you, what do you think happened? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of things happened to be completely honest. I mean, I moved away for four years, three years to Texas and we kind of lost touch then and, and then touch then. And then when I came back to Colorado, we hung out, but not as much because they were married um, actually, one of my friends, uh, she already had a kid and was on her second pregnancy. And so I just, I think organically, they just, we got trapped into mamahood and we would reach out every now and then, but 
Yeah. One of my friends, she had preeclampsia and she had to have an emergency C-section and she was really depressed and she just shut down and I had no idea. I had no idea any of that was happening to her because in my mind, I'm so focused on my pregnancy that like I knew she had had a C-section, but I had no idea the trauma that was coupled with that until probably a year later. And the only reason why I knew about it is because she wanted to seek out EMDR therapy from it. So um, yeah, my friendships just drastically changed. And, and, and it was equally on my part of just not reaching out as much. And I didn't know how to be supportive because one, I didn't know what was going on with them, but I also didn't know what they would need because what do we say when people call us? We say, oh, we're fine. Mm -hmm. we're fine. Like we've got this handled, even though the second we hang up, we may be in tears and saying we're not fine, but that's part of the problem is the things that we're not talking about, right? The things that we don't want people to know. We want people to think that we're, we have it all handled. We've got this, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to be really raw and say, I'm drowning. You know, I'm feeling so sad. I'm in pain. I'm not feeling connected to my baby because I don't remember the birthing experience. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to it, you know, and if you can't put on everything is perfect, then don't put anything on at all. Right. Don't reach out. So, um, you know, that's what I had experienced. And then at work, my immediate supervisor, she was trying to get pregnant and was not having any luck with it. And she projected a lot of hurt and anger onto me with that. And so I felt like a lot of shame and guilt, even just talking about my pregnancy, talking about anything along with that, because um, I was really not supported at work with that particular supervisor. Um, But it's hard when that's your immediate supervisor and you're feeling some pushback. So it was just like, if things were going well, that was great. I couldn't talk to her about it. And if things weren't going well, I sure shit wasn't going to talk to her about it because (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) going to be uh, met with any kind of support. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and I have to say that my, my family was a huge support system. Like Randall was so excited. He's wanted to have children forever. And so, um, he was so excited about it. So there was a lot of support at home, but yeah, I think your first pregnancy, you're just trying to figure things out. Like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Is my body supposed to be doing this? Why is my body doing that? Um, And I would, I would talk to my uh, mom about it, but it'd been so long and I would talk to my sister, but it had been so long for her too, um, since she had had children. So um, I just like would read books (laughs) to get some help. But uh, Gretchen, do you remember pregnancy? I mean, yours wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but uh, interestingly enough, oh, the amnesia that we oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um I remember just being really excited to be pregnant. Um, I, I mean, my identity, I had always wanted kids, so I was, I was embracing of it. I did. I don't think I really like struggled with how do I incorporate this into my life necessarily. Um, but then when baby came, I definitely remember feeling like, who am I? Am I just like a freaking milk cow? Cause that's how this feels. Like I don't even like get to shower. It felt like, yeah. <laughs> And I remember, I think I probably did have some postpartum, but I wasn't 
really consciously aware of um, because I remember feeling like I would do this like cost benefit analysis of like the effort that it would take to leave the house mm-hmm. versus just staying on the couch watching another episode of whatever it was I was watching because I knew that the baby was either going to need to be fed within 45 minutes, change within 45 minutes, fall back to sleep within 45 minutes. So what are you going to do? So I was like, yeah. well, yeah. the easiest thing to do is not do anything. So I, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I do remember that and that just feeling, I do remember having these crisis moments. I don't think I ever shared with anybody, but I was like, who am I going to be after this? Mm-hmm. Um I do remember that. And I, yeah, I don't know how long that lasted or when it went away. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt it quite a bit, but it would hit me really hard. Like when I would finally take some time to like go jogging, jogging has always been like the one thing that I could do solo without anybody around. And I just know so many times the second I would go out and put my, you know, earphones in, that I would just start crying and being like, oh my God, like, hello, Missy, where have you been? (laughs) Like, nice to to see you again. Like you haven't, well, you know, withered away, like you're still here, but there's also the sadness connected to it as well as excitement um, about, well, like, who are you now? Like you are a parent now, but where was your former, your former self? And like, will you ever, connect to that former self again and how you integrate your former self with your new self and, you know, the loss of friendships and trying to gain new friendships, which I didn't do for a while. I mean, when you're at home, just like what you're saying, Gretchen, of it's so hard to get yourself ready to get the baby ready, put them in their bucket, make sure that you have everything that you need in case of whatever, and so, yeah, we just didn't connect and Randall and I would look at each other going, where are all of our friends? Like, we don't have any friends. Like nobody comes over. Nobody invites us to come over because a lot of our friends did not have children. Yeah. And yeah, we were just like, oh, we joked about putting like ads on like Craigslist of <laughs> <laughs> new parents wanted. We need some friends. We need some friends to connect to. And so we, we finally did when Zoe was three, we put her in a preschool and Zoe's just so gregarious, um, always has been. And she would reach out to friends and say, can we have a play date? And we have our best friends now are because of Zoe, because she would say, Hey, can I have a play date with so-and-so? And we would connect with their family and we just have been friends with them for eight years now. And we're just so thankful for Zoe because if it wasn't for Zoe, I don't know if we would have the friendships that we have. Um, but yeah, thank God for her <laughs> with that. And then making good friendships at work later on. Yeah. Danan, do you remember? I mean, this was so long ago for you. I was going to piggyback off of what you said. A lot of our good friends are because of the kids. And being at this stage where I'm at, we have our vacation friends. Um they're a network of friends. They all have two boys like we do. We've met them through the school. Well, everyone's coming up to this kind of aging out moment. And I, I, in the back of my mind, wonder, will it still be easy for us to get together and vacation together as everybody goes kind of their own directions? Um, or will we be looking for another 
group of friends like that. It's, it's just, you know, time will tell. And I think it's about how much effort we can put into staying connected and kind of just finding new ways to connect with them instead of, you know, always doing a spring break trip or fall trip or whatever it is. Um, But yeah, a lot of our friendships came from when the kids started going to school, which was nice because like both of you or Misty for sure, we lost friendships through pregnancy and through bringing home the first baby. I got married so young, my friends weren't even in serious relationships. So the idea of coming over to support a new mom was Mm -hmm. silly, right? Um, And, you know, my best friend shortly after, she had gotten married young too, but then she couldn't get pregnant and that put a lot of strain on our relationship. We're not friends today. it, you know, just kind of severed that relationship unintentionally. But I think when you're in your young twenties, mid twenties, we don't have a lot of life experience. So how do we support somebody going through something so complicated? And on the flip side, if we're going through something complicated, how can we value and support and be happy for somebody that's going through something that we can't do? Right. So I was pregnant very easily. I had an easy pregnancy And she just didn't know how to support me and vice versa. I didn't know how to support her. So a lot of our good friendships kind of went in their own directions because of um, us being so young and having children, you know, when we did. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, kind of coming up uh, and and getting to the end of this, um, to re-identify now and not be Danan the mom, it's just going to be an interesting thing, but I think with life experience, everything we do is going to have to be more intentional. Does it feel lighter for you? Like, you know, cause when the kids are little, like you're constantly like, where are they? What are they doing? Have they been fed? You know, like who are they connecting with? You know, does it feel lighter? Cause I just know that you know, even though my, I've got three, Zoe and Adler are older and Memphis still like, he, you know, I have to be there with him for a lot of things still. So it's like, he's tethered on, it's tethered on to me, but what does it feel like to not have to have that constant, like, where's Memphis or where's Andrew, where's Carter? I would say some of it feels lighter, maybe in a physical sense, but in an emotional or mental sense, um, there's that worry and balance of, okay, I've raised them. They have, they've got good morals and values, but in the back of my mind, we're not as connected as we were when I could kind of contain them. Mm -hmm. Um, that I worry, are they talking to me about important things? Uh, if they were feeling depressed and suicidal, would they come to me? Mm -hmm. Um, am I not asking the right questions today? Should I pry a little bit further, you know, and just kind of I guess what doesn't feel light is when you kind of have that gut feeling or that, you know, heavy heart, like how, first of all, how can I step back and make sure that I'm not overbearing? Um, But at the end of the day, how can I be comfortable with how I leave it? You know, do I, did I say the right things? Did I ask the right questions and did I give them the right space? And so it's a different kind of heaviness um, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I think 
media plays into a little bit of that and you start to kind of doubt yourself. You know, every time I see a story on the news about someone's child committing suicide yeah. or someone's child overdosing or whatever it is, um, then I think it kind of comes on strong. But if I can distance myself from hearing some of that stuff, I, it does feel lighter. Yeah. If well, that makes it, sense. <laughs> it, yeah, completely. I, I think it's just the importance of this podcast is saying that mm-hmm. it's different, right? Like the levels of when you're pregnant versus having toddlers versus like school age kids up until transitioning out of high school, there's something that we worry about as parents. Mm-hmm. There's a heaviness, but it just shifts in different directions, yeah, right? Yeah. It shifts from versus like, am I accidentally killing my baby because I'm doing something too much or not enough of to like, oh my God, I hope that we have established a relationship that they feel like they can come and connect and talk to me about these things or how are they handle being bullied or stressors of life? Like it shifts. Yeah. I think I, I have an example of just how that shifts or I imagine that it shifts is last night. So every night when we sit down to dinner without fail, without fail, August goes, I have to go party. <laughs> I swear to you, we could have gone potty like 10 minutes before, but it's like for some reason, every time we could come to the table. And I had just made myself a stiff vodka cocktail. And I looked at Adam and I was like, oh my God, like I cannot anymore. I mean, these days is just so intensely family oriented. Yeah. And I go, you know what though? There will be a day when we look back on this and say, remember when they needed us for everything? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like, it's, it's like, you're going to long for that, even though it's like the thing that's driving you to drink right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is true. It's true. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's so funny. I don't know. Like I keep hearing that, that people are like, one day you're going to miss that. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Adler's at this stage right now where he um, is trying to beatbox. And (laughs) oh my God, it is, it's constant. It's constant. He's making these noises and squeaking and just trying to figure out what kind of sound does this make if I have my tongue in this position or if I do something like this. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's like from the second he wakes up until he goes to bed, like he is trying to do this beatboxing and there's these things that um, he like slurps. And so I'm trying to teach him like the boxers don't do that. <laughs> Please stop doing that. Uh, but yeah, things like that. I mean, if he gets good at it, I will be like, there you go. It was worth it. It was worth all of that. But <laughs> oh man. Oh, Adler, you gotta love him. That little kid, he, you never know what he's gonna bring to the table. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, kind of going back to identity, I do have several clients who are kind of in the thick of it. And I, I do feel like there's varying degrees. Like there are those parents that have chosen to have one kiddo, right? And I feel like once they kind of wrap their head around one kiddo, they really can figure out their rhythm, depending on the temperament of the kid, right? Now, if you've got one kiddo and that kiddo has been really, really challenging for whatever reason, I think maybe they have a little bit of a harder time. But just from my experience of witnessing families that have one kid, um, I feel like their life seems pretty calm. I don't know. 
I, we are in a pod right now with um, Tatum is the only kid in our pod, our learning pod that has a sibling. Um, and I do think just because, I mean, when you parent, you always are comparing, right? For, yeah. for better or for worse. But sometimes I think like, well, that looks a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> I like, and I mean, you know, not to discredit those parents who are doing a fabulous job with those singletons, but it is a lot easier. Um, yeah. uh, I imagine. I mean, it depends again on the kid, but so it's been interesting to see how supercharged their parenting is compared to our parenting. <laughs> I can feel like they have a lot more resource for that mm-hmm. one kid than we have when our attention and, and resources are divided between two kids. Sorry for all those people out there that are hearing this and have siblings <laughs> <laughs> or have more than, I mean, I, I don't, it probably doesn't have to be like that, but that's how it feels me. 100%. I, we joke all the time that Memphis gets away with everything because he's the third. Like we are like, oh, if he wants to put that in his mouth, it will just help his immune system. <laughs> Where we, you know, so we were like, don't even touch it. Don't even look at it. Um, you know, and not to say that having one kid isn't complicated and hard. Of course, of course it is. But comparatively to those that have two, three, four, whatever, it does start to scaffold like of how much attention can you give to each kiddo, to your spouse, to work, you do get splintered off in different directions. Um, But I think it's really important to be able to recognize that you don't have to just be one thing, right? Like some people are like, well, I'm just a parent and that's the only thing that I can focus on and I have to do it and I have to do it well. And I, you know, like it, everything kind of goes into that. And I think that there is reward to that if you're the type of parent that likes to research everything and have a philosophy to fall back on and and really just kind of hone in on that. But for a lot of, especially my clients, they're at this point when they've got two, three kiddos where they're like, I don't know who I am. Like I get up in the morning and the second that I wake up, I'm attending to my children. And then I have to immediately put my work hat on and right now everything is zoom and I can hear the kids behind the closed door screaming and yelling. And it's like, Oh my God, like it's not even they're They're still doing dual attention, right? They're still trying to work. They're trying to do a therapy session. They're trying to not go out and look why their kids are screaming, you know, at the door. Um, and the kids are screaming at the door because you've said I'm busy for the next 10 minutes and they have to be there. But then mm. when they're done with work, they are immediately back into the parental role and doing that and hoping to God that you have a structured bedtime. But by that time, it's like eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night and you're exhausted right? Yeah. You're exhausted. And so when people are pushing self-care, it's like, well, what, what the fuck do you do for self-care? Like, I just want to go to bed right? yeah. like, or I want to have a drink. Or I want to have a drink. And so I think a lot of us have been there, right? A lot of us have been there going, oh, when they're young, they need so much attention. And eventually they're going to get to this age where you can start pulling away and you don't have to be in the same room with them all the time. And, you know, you can at least hear them from the other room and go, Oh, you know, they're, they're laughing. They're joking. They're okay. I can actually watch a TV show or maybe I can make that phone call to a friend, uh, you know, and try to balance that out a little bit more, but it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting having to, well, there definitely will be that time, Misty, you can get back to taking your jog 
And the things that weigh heavy can be on your mind. You can process those during your jog or Gretchen, you can get back to the gym and process that while you're, you're exercising. But the good news is it does lighten up enough that you can get back to doing some of those things you enjoy. We just, you know, take the heavy issues with us and process them differently than a young parent for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think about the context of the couple too, for people that are partnered, like who do you become as a couple? Like your identity doesn't just apply to you, but yeah. your identity as a couple. I worry, I don't want to find myself 15 years down the line, not having anything in common with Adam. Yeah, 100%. And for us to struggle to find ways to connect and enjoy our time together because we haven't been able to have time together for the last 15 years. Yeah, that's an exercise in itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sean and I double whammy owned and operated businesses together and we're parents together. So at the end of the day, what were we? We were business partners. And for a while, our friendship or our relationship was feeling like a friendship a siblinghood, a partnership, but not, not a spousal relationship. Like, you know, we felt like we were constantly talking business, whether it was business of home or business of work, um, that it, it took a really big shift and a really big commitment, just like somebody wanting to go on a big budget or somebody wanting to go on a diet and new health regimen uh-huh. that, that big shift had, we had to be very intentional and, Um, open and committed to it together. I want to hear all about that in detail. So we should make that an an episode. (laughs) Like how to to do that, how to embark on that, like formation of a new identity as a couple, because Mm -hmm. I mean, I really feel I can relate to what you're saying. I told Adam the other day, like our relationship feels transactional. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. we're communicating about lunches, about bed routines, about getting the kids to swim lessons. Like the function of running a household, like, or the functions of running a household. Um, and I don't like, we're not talking about, you know, what, it, what, who did you hang out with this week? What did you find funny? Like, how are, how are you feeling? Like that stuff's not happening. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. And yeah, I think we definitely need to do an episode on that because everything changes, right? Because our bodies change as we have children. And so even like coming to your partner intimacy wise, if you're not feeling comfortable in your own skin to say, Oh, I'm feeling sexy. Let's have some sexy time, you know, and that, that dynamic is even hard. Like how often do you want sexy time with your partner versus how much they want to be having it? And what does that look like? Right. And so, yeah, you have to have these challenging conversations with your spouse or your partner and being intentional, right? Like you have to just be so intentional. I mean, there's those families that I've heard of that plan uh, to yeah. have like a date and it's like, okay, on Tuesdays and Fridays, <laughs> we're going to have this date. And I'm like, oh my God, that's silly. But looking back, it's like, no, you have to, because mm-hmm. then, you know, okay, we got to get the kids to bed because I'm going to put you as a priority mm-hmm. on these two nights and trying to establish that. And parenting, I think can bring out the best and the worst of you. Right. So, I mean, if you're doing something and you're having a bad day, 
and you're not handling yourself well, your partner may look at you and go, oh God, that was really unattractive. Or like, I don't like who you were just then. Mm -hmm. And that puts a barrier in your relationship um, Mm -hmm. like that. And just, yeah, the idea of parenting, like who, honestly, how many of us honestly looked at our partners while dating and go, (laughs) what kind of parenting skills are you going to practice when we have children? Like, what is your philosophy? There are people out there who have that conversation. Randall and I were not one of them. I think the question needs to be, tell me how your mom and dad parented you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I mean, that's another thing that I have to be really intentional about and especially kind of getting to this aging out place. The things that Sean's parents did to him as an older child I'm, I'm like, no way we can't do this to our children. We choose to live in a big house that needs a lot of help. For example, we will not be calling our younger children to come over here and help us all the time. This is a decision we made with Sean's parents. They called on him all the time, but he had like no freedom or space for himself. And I'm like, if I knew some of this stuff beforehand, I think it would have changed the trajectory or, um, I don't know. We'd have some other conversations about how to parent and stages and ages kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. his parents are quite a bit older. We're quite a bit older. Yeah, they were. So they adopted their children in their forties. So Uh Sean, Sean's parents were, I don't know, 46 years older than he was. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. They needed a lot, but I can just, now that I see this coming, um, I, I do see Sean just nagging and bugging the kids to help him with chores around the house and it's there are chores around the house because you're a kid and you live under this roof yeah and then there are chores around the house that you're a homeowner and you took this big monster on this is not your child's problem this is your problem do you know what I'm saying is he asking him to like switch out the water heater or what (laughs) oh of course if he could he would you know like get on the roof and replace the gutters for me because one's busted you know stuff like that where I'm like no they're they're teenage boys they need to start having their own lives the last thing we're going to do is like waste their time on big projects around the house. This was our doing, Um, but this is just all in reference to what I experienced. I was a new mom. I could have used Sean's help at the house. And instead he's running to mom and dad's house because they needed the lawn mowed. Right. And and both of them were capable of mowing the lawn or financially able to buy, yeah, yeah, to hire somebody to do it. So Danon, how did you keep (laughs) your head on? I would have been. Well, we weren't friends. (laughs) We weren't friends. (laughs) Uh, I think that's a whole nother topic for another episode is is really expectations. What are our expectations of our children in that kind of capacity because I do notice other people too, like having this expectation of their kids to like feel badly for something that they've done. Or like as parents, we take Mm -hmm. things that our kids do so personally, Mm -hmm. right? We take it so personally and it's like, man, like they're not doing this intentionally. They're three, like their little brains aren't even developed uh, enough to be intentional, to just do something to piss you off. right? But yeah, when, so those of you who have not had children yet, and are planning to, how was your spouse raised? What does that yes. look like? Right. I, and, yeah. and do they take things personally, like super personally that shouldn't be taken personally, because that does play out as you're raising your kids. 
Um, well, when they're hormonal, when yes. each of your children, female or male, go through puberty, mm-hmm. shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. You yeah. can't take that personally. Rambo, 100%. So Zoe is 10 and she's starting to, you're starting to see this moodiness. And Randall has zero tolerance for it. And I'm like, this isn't about you. Like we are going to struggle for the next eight years or however long Zoe's under our roof. If you continue to take things so personally, it's not about you. Now you can exacerbate her anger by being mean about it or setting all these limits and expectations. But Zoe's just so sweet and has like a sweet demeanor and does everything but for Randall, it's unexcusable for any of us to be upset in the house. And that's the other thing you need to make sure is being angry or being sad or disappointed acceptable in your house, because um, it's definitely already an issue. And I just keep coaching Randall, like you need to, to open up your heart to this is not about you. And how do you be supportive and not be grumpy? Because when you meet somebody that's already irritable and sad and you meet them with anger and judgment, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Watch Misty, out because you know what you need to develop or maybe uh, we can co-develop. There should be a premarital counseling, like genogram family history, <laughs> like testing assessment Let's process. You should yes, go through your family of origin <laughs> for each partner, the birth order that they're born yes. into, because that's huge. And then it's like huge. the parental guilt thing that you're talking about, because yeah. My poor kids have both sides of the coin. Adam's mom, parents through guilt. And I have a fractured parent relationship. So when my kids act out, I do take it personally because I feel like I'm a good mom, especially because I know what a bad one looks like, right? Like (laughs) I know I am. So I don't deserve what you're throwing at me right now. So my poor kids, they get it from both sides. Um, But yes, you you should develop this. This could be transformative. Transformative. Now here's the thing. We'll do that. And then people are going to go, I'm just so in love with my spouse. I don't care. I'm going to have kids with them anyways. (laughs) And then their kids are going to be born and they're going to be like, fuck, we should have done that. Well, you know, (laughs) we could do a retroactive. Here's what we should have known. That's right. So then the goal is have them do this assessment based on the, the, uh, outcome, make one of those pictures for the kitchen. You know, our house will live under these rules and you design the rules on that sign based on what the algorithm said for this. And then you always go back it. to that sign. So yeah, that's right. There you go. So, yeah. My husband growing up, honest to goodness, like, cause his parents weren't ever married and they were young and his mom chose to have a a different route. She wasn't there all the time. So his dad, uh, who came from an extremely dysfunctional family, um, was raising two tiny, tiny children. And I swear to God, the only two rules in that house was don't slam the doors or poke holes in the wall. There was no curfews. What about there was, set on fire? <laughs> I thought, I think that they probably could have been able to play with fire, but it had to have been outside, (laughs) but I don't think that was a fast rule. I I don't like, yeah. And it's so weird because Randall's so strict, but I think it's because there was no rules that he's looking back at his childhood going, 
my parents should have had rules. They should have had these expectations for me. And he yeah. really had a hard time. I mean, God, he was in trouble with the law a lot. He got in a lot of fights. Um, he didn't do well in school. And so now the pendulum has swung. <laughs> the, all of these expectations. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. A, that's a whole nother identity issue, right? We mm-hmm. have this theory, Gretchen, like you, I came from a weird upbringing and that, no, I know exactly what I want the kids as father to look like. I know exactly what I want to look like as a mother. And so I guess too, um, being able to identify that early on, but also to know that as everything in life, there has to be some flexibility in reevaluating, right? Yeah. We always have to come back and course correct. And so, yeah. you know, what, is, what, I guess if we were planning a pregnancy or pregnant and what do we want that identity to look like? Maybe that's worth a conversation and some journaling. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. I mean, I think all of these things are so important. And if you want to have a healthy relationship to be discussing this openly with your partner, mm-hmm. right? Like what, what do you want to look like as a parent? And also understanding that, you know, maybe our first pregnancy could have been smooth. It could have been challenging, but once that first baby comes, you know, there's so many other things that can come up like health concerns and health problems. I mean, we had a miscarriage when Zoe was like eight, eight months old. And so, you know, I'm not the only one that that's happened to, right. Where you're caring for this infant and trying to figure out, you know, who you are as a mom. And then all of a sudden you're now dealing with a miscarriage and trying to attune to your own needs and then feeling like, oh, is there something I could have done and watching your partner be sad and, you know, still trying to be a good quote unquote mom to your little eight, nine month old baby. So there are these things that we, you know, these barriers that make us trip and fall, but hopefully we can still get up and say, okay, here's who I am. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm loved. I love people. And this is going to push me through until I can take another breath and say, okay, just, I know who I am. Right. And if I don't know who I am, you know, going to therapy, talking to friends and family and saying, I just feel so lost. Help me remember who I am and the things that I like to do. Cause I think that would be helpful. Right. If somebody's like, Oh, Missy, remember you used to like to knit. You're like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was a fun pastime. Maybe <laughs> I should try that. Um, but yeah, I think our identity is always there. It just sometimes gets hidden or in the shadows of things that we're doing, but it's important for us to look at, we, ha- we all wear more than one hat, mm-hmm. right? And some of us wear more than others and some of us do it more gracefully than others. Um, but, you know, we're here. We know who we are. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, ladies, thank you so much for talking about this. I know that there are many other things that we could spiral off of and do more things. But as always, for our listeners, if there are things that touched your heart or topics that uh, you would like us to talk about, please let us know. Um, You can reach us at Facebook, on Instagram. And we really, really appreciate you guys. Bye. Bye. Happy parenting. Thank you for listening to This Is Hard, our podcast celebrating the hilarious, beautiful, horrific, mysterious, untold, unspoken, disgusting, and amazing adventures of becoming and being a parent. Brought to you by Misty White, Gretchen Levy, and me, Danan Moore.
To learn more about This Is Hard, our podcast, follow our organization, Parenting Naked Collaborative, on the web at parentingnaked.com, on Facebook or Instagram at Parenting Naked. Thank you, and until next time, be well.